And we are back. Welcome, welcome to uh, Better Workers Comp Coffee Break Podcast. Good to have you here. I want to thank you all for uh, the emails and all the uh, nice notes I've gotten. Uh, I've received a lot of uh, feedback. And I appreciate that. Today's going to be a fun time. We've got a really different show for today. So the first thing we want to do is uh, remind everybody uh, to get your coffee out. Get it nice and warm. I'll grab mine here in just a second. And uh, we'll dive into a new version of the podcast that we don't do very often. But I think it's very important to what we do uh, in this information uh, discussion because it's the most important, I would say, put maybe in the top 10 of the most common mistakes that I see made that I have to fix. That I get somebody to either come in to me as a consultant or they come to me as a patient in Florida or when I was um, in other places in the country. And they would, uh, they would come in with a short story just like this. And it's really easy to fix for me, but it's also very hard to get medical people to understand the language of workers' comp. And so today I'm going to tell you a story. And this is the story that we want to talk about today. So first of all, let's, uh, let's get our coffee going. We want to get a hot cup going and get it stirred up for me because, you know, I like my own little coffee with a little um, cream and sugar. And then, um, and we'll start diving in, and we'll start working on this uh, this new version that we do every once in a while, known as Coffee Break Podcast Storytime Version. Okay, so for those of you that are here for the first time, welcome. Um, I am uh, Dr. Taylor, the Federal Workers' Compensation Consultant. Uh, I also work as a provider in um, Florida, in Tampa, and Jacksonville. I have clients all over the country, and I work in several different states. So if you're uh, listening to the podcast and you're not in Florida and uh, you need you need help with providers in other states, I do have clients I can send you to that uh, I definitely uh, do not take money for any of that. I just do it, I do, uh, do it for uh, the goodness of uh, what I think is appropriate to do. I, I know that... Um, there's a lot of people out there that do a lot of that uh, referral stuff for money. I don't do that, but I'd be more than happy to find you somebody that I've trained or somebody that's around the country that's been trained by me. So if you're needing uh, to find a doctor outside of Florida or you're just trying to find help for your doctor, um, of course, like I always say, I'm here to help. So the, the podcast itself is a short format where we discuss all sorts of topics related to OWCP, the FECA Act, uh, DOL, Longshore, and other types of Department of Energy, etc., and other types of federal workers' compensation for government employees. And that's everybody, for the military and VA all the way through to every government job. In this short coffee bake uh, format, we like to discuss common topics related to filing an appropriate claim, rules and provisions, and rights and responsibilities, things that are important to you. We also cover tips on how to successfully navigate federal workers' comp, to assist you with your claim, and we also remind you that if you are a, uh, if you're just a government worker and you like to listen to podcasts, we're glad you're here. But would remind you to share it with others that you know need help or are struggling with things that are workers' comp related. And uh, this is an important podcast that I think fits that role because in this one I want to tell you a story. In the when we do story time versions of the podcast, I think this is a wonderful lesson when I tell it in a different format. Instead of going through the rules and provisions, which I will do at the end, I wanna go through the story itself. This is a true story, and um, 
This version, um, uh, this, this common problem, it happened in the last couple of years. So um, this story begins with a patient who came to see me. And when he came to see me, he was at his uh, uh, wit's end. He had uh, about a year and a half old case. He had never had his uh, case approved. He was going through, I think, a couple of different appeals. And um, he had lost his appeals. He had switched uh, a couple of trading doctors. And I come along, and I guess I'm about the second, third, at least a third guy in line to see him. And he saw me as a provider. So when I heard his story, I started asking him some questions, and his story was similar to what I'm going to tell you. Some of the things are changed just for anonymity, but I want to um, I want to go through it and and be and be true to the story. But I'll I want to be sure and hide the the true uh, nature of the person's identity. So in this story, he was telling me what happened was he originally went to a uh, one of these Florida urgent care centers. Okay, and then there's a lot of them, and they do a lot of state comp. There's a lot of state comp, and they're, they're, they have providers there. They have medical and PA and nurse practitioners, um, and um, they fill out the paperwork, and their nurse practitioner, PAs, and MDs there all fill out that paperwork because at the state law level, they all have the ability to fill out those forms. And so that's where the story begins when he tells me the story. He says he went to the urgent care center. His foot had been hurting for a long time, and it had gotten worse and worse with work. And he tried to uh, start off with a occupational illness injury form, CA2. And he went uh, one day after work to one of these urgent care centers after talking to a supervisor about filling out the CA2. And um, when he did that, he went to this center after he got the CA2 filled out by um, the employer, and he took it to the providers at this urgent care center. The urgent care centers, uh, they, uh, they evaluated him, and they did diagnostic tests and stuff the doctors do, and, and they, they, uh, they told him uh, that he had a foot, foot pain and a foot sprain. That's what they called it. And they didn't do uh, x-rays and MRIs at that time. They... Uh, he, he had developed an ongoing nagging condition that was developing over time because his job required him to do a lot of walking. So um, he left, and he tried to go back to work on light duty, as they insisted, and he tried to take his uh, little medications they gave him, and it didn't get worse. It, got, it didn't get better. It got worse. So he decided to go see a foot doctor. He talked to a, a foot doctor, who was a foot surgeon, and that doctor did take federal workers' comp and didn't take a lot of it, he said, but he said he, he did accept it. So he went to see that doctor, and um, the doctor looked at the paperwork, and he filled it out, but he didn't correct the CA forms because the first part of this story is the CA forms were filled out by a PA, and that was the first part of this story that there's a problem. The second part of the story was that when he went to see the foot surgeon, the foot surgeon did a report, and but he did do x-rays, and he did do an MRI, and he found out that he, the patient had a broken bone in his foot. A, uh, it was a, a stress fracture that came from this long uh, standing years and years of walking and going up through rough terrain and, 
and up and down stairs, etc. He developed a stress fracture as he got older. So they diagnosed him correctly the second time. They misdiagnosed him the first time at the urgent care center because he weren't thorough. But at the urgent care center, they also made another mistake. The urgent care center, they had the, the PA fill out the CA2 and the CA20. And there was no co-signature by the MD, which is required in federal workers' comp, but it is not required in state workers' comp. And so most clinics are built for state. There's not as much federal uh, uh, injuries, and there's not as many federal uh, trained workers' comp clinics. So you have to understand that this is the first part of the story. And we'll come back to that. But I want to finish the second part of the story. When he did get the correct diagnosis with the surgeon, then the surgeon made a common mistake. The, the mistake the surgeon made was at the end of his report when he diagnosed him, he said in his report that it was his opinion, based on the history as it was reported of the injury, that this probably occurred the way the patient said that it did. And it was his medical opinion that it was causally related. Now, sounds pretty harmless, but that lack of definitive and leaving it a little bit open to speculation actually cost a lot of time and a lot of money to the patient when I received his case. When he came to me, it was literally one year and seven months later. So for a year and seven months, he'd never got his case accepted, ever with a broken foot, okay? This is a, a guy whose diagnosis was broken bone, okay? Broken bones in the foot. So there was no doubt that injury occurred. There was no doubt that he had a diagnosis that was easy to see. This isn't a backache that doesn't show up on MRI and X-ray. This is a bone that's broken. So I wanna go through the mistakes that were made in this one because it's important. It's important to understand. First of all, let's go through the first part. The first part was where they made the mistake. Then with the misdiagnosis, minimal treatment, and then the wrong level of medical provider signing the paperwork. You have to understand something about workers' comp. Workers' comp requires that you be definitive, but you also have to have someone that fills out your paperwork that is qualified according to workers' comp rules federal, not state. Every state's different. But most states, a PA and a nurse practitioner have the ability to sign all the physician forms. And most states, nurse practitioners are independent practitioners that um, are you know, full access providers that don't need a collaborator. There's a lot of independent states. But in federal workers' comp, they're antiquated and their legislation is way behind the current scope of practice. So if you're an injured worker and you're trying to get your workers' compensation benefits, your doctor has to provide a diagnosis sufficient to warrant all medical services you may need. One of the problems they have with the diagnosis that this patient received with a broke foot was that the diagnosis said foot pain. That was the diagnosis. When you get a diagnosis of pain in federal workers' comp, pain diagnosis is not compensable under the Federal Employee Compensation Act. And if you're diagnosed with things like sprain, contusion, and pain, most of the time the claims examiners don't, do not want to adjudicate a case beyond the $1,500 CA-16 that we talked about in the traumatic injury. 
So you have to understand that when you're discussing your work-related injury with your doctor, you have to emphasize the importance to your doctor that he has to give you a, a legitimate diagnosis that, has, that, that, that is more than just pain. Because pain and suffering is not recognized by workers' comp in any way in federal. And if your diagnosis says foot pain, foot contusion, or foot sprain or strain, they're going to tell you the first one, if it's just pain, that it's not acceptable because that's not a category. And if it's a contusion or sprain, they're going to say that it's minimal. And because it's minimal, it's not going to be qualified for you to be treated or be off work for any period of time. They'll, they'll, they'll uh, fight it. So that's the first part. So the wrong person signed his paperwork, then they gave him a diagnosis that wasn't recognized. Now let's go to the second part. When the foot surgeon saw him and he did diagnose and he did do an appropriately medical workup, he did get the diagnosis correct and he added the diagnosis. But at this time, the diagnosis wasn't accepted because the original diagnosis was foot pain. So he was stuck with foot pain and a fractured foot. <clears throat> so what happens is this particular causation argument and diagnosis argument prevented him from ever receiving any time off work when he missed work for appointments or time where he couldn't work. He was put in a cast. He was in a walking boot for, for several, several months. He was in rehab. He did all that out of his pocket. He paid for it with his federal you know, private pay insurance. We all know which carrier it is. And he went and he continued and, and the surgeon even released him after his foot fractures had healed, but he never won his case. He never had a case and he thought it wasn't fair that he broke his foot at work um, as he developed these, these stress fractures in these bones and he wanted to win his case and to be compensated. So what he did in the second part of it was he used the word probably. And you have to understand that the surgeon using the word probably created this mess so that once he fixed the diagnosis and made more definitive diagnosis, he did not in his medical report resolve the causal relationship issue that is necessary. Because the evidence that you have to have obtained from a physician who's examined you has to have a medical report where the physician is required to consider the issue of casual relationship and then be definitive. You have to give OWCP what they require. There has to be an acceptable diagnosis, not pain or pain only. And you have to have either on the CA20, CA16, CA5, CA17, the CA2, CA1, they all have to have a factor of employment casual relationship explained in a medical opinion. And if that medical opinion has a, does support casual relationship, you cannot be speculating. You can't say maybe. Okay, Your doctor cannot do what this foot surgeon did, where he says, I think, where in this one he actually said probably. Your doctor cannot use words like, I think this is causally related, or maybe this is causally related, or my favorite, this is one I see the most common, it is more than likely medically reasonable. Those are not definitive. Probably is speculative, and you cannot speculate with OWCP. They will deny the claim. All I had to do to fix this guy's claim was write one report and explain exactly where the mistakes were made and clear errors from he got the wrong person to sign the first one, 
Um, and then that person gave him a diagnosis that's not accepted. And then the third, the second person who saw him, the surgeon, did diagnose him correctly, did make the right diagnosis, but did not do a correct explanation of, cas of casual relationship to employment, a causation, a fifth element causation statement in his causation. And each time they presented it, he would lose on presentation and he never got his case accepted. So I just explained that. And then at the end, I said, it is my opinion. It is my medical opinion that this is definitely caused from work. And just because I wasn't speculative, he won his case. He won his case and he got his back pay and he got he got the medical treatment, even though at the time he needed nothing from me. His foot had healed. His case just needed to be resolved. I basically got a couple, two or three exams out of it. He didn't need any therapy. I sent him off to be continued to be evaluated by a surgeon. I didn't get anything out of it. I just did the right thing for the guy. And he got a couple of visits with me and I solved his case. But a year and seven months of not being paid never getting continuation of pay when he was off work, never receiving appropriate treatment under workers' comp, and he even retired early because he was so aggravated with losing his case so long along the way. So you have to understand, guys, this story time version of what uh, we do at the podcast, we do it this way to make you understand that medical opinions are extremely important. Choosing the right medical provider is super important. You have to have a claim that is supported by medical evidence by a person who knows how to clearly show and def be definitive when someone does have a medical condition casually related to employment factors. Okay, They cannot be speculative. And some doctors just don't feel comfortable saying for sure, yes, it actually happened this way. But you've got to be definitive. So, a medical opinion must not only be definitive, but must contain the physician's medical rationales for that opinion that's provided. A lot of people will put, this is my opinion, I believe it happened that way, but then they don't explain how it happened. Actually, this surgeon did explain well how it happened, but he did not say definitively. He said probably happened. And it had to be cleaned up by Mr. Fixit. And I was more than happy to help the person do it and win his case. But can you imagine how easy that is to avoid a mistake if you just go to the right clinic up front, if you just understand your rights and responsibilities? So that's story time hour coffee break podcast, with Dr. Tater. And I just wanted to tell you that this is an important story to make a lot of cases about how you've got to go to the right provider. You gotta be careful what urgent care hospital people sign your paperwork. And you gotta make sure you have a diagnosis that is something other than pain. So that does it for this version of uh, Storytime Hour. I wanna thank you guys for joining us and listening. And I wanna remind you to share this podcast with other federal workers you think would benefit from this information. And also, if you, uh, you know, if you're going to need an improved medical provider on the list for DOL, OWCP, or long short cases in Florida, you can find me in Tampa at a couple of different clinic locations and in Jacksonville. If you want to make a consult with me to discuss your case, or if you know someone in Florida who's recently injured, you can call the clinic 813-877-6900. We do same day appointments. So if you just got hurt, come on in. We do after hours. 
Um, also, for those of you who are not in Florida and you just want me to help you with your claim like I do with hundreds of people all over the country, you can just send me your uh, questions for assistance and I'll try to help you and your doctor in your state. You can email me at fedcompconsultants at protonmail.com. That's fedcompconsultants at protonmail, P-R-O-T-O-N, mail.com. All right, I need to get this warm, get this uh, coffee warmed up a little bit and get going. As usual, I want to uh, thank all of you who put on that uniform, that badge, deliver that mail, take care of our veterans and make this government run. I know that it's a thankless job. It's very difficult, full of bureaucracy, and I want to give you a big thank you. I do this just for you. I do it free just for you. And I could not do this. Most of us could not do this without all the hard work that all of you out there do. So a big thank you goes out to you, and I hope that you've learned something today. And uh, remember, if you have an injured federal claim, and you or someone you know needs assistance at work, reach out to me. I'm here to help. So see you next time. Thanks for joining us. I'm off to get my coffee warmed up. <laughs>